Hi, I'm Dr. Amy Robbins, and welcome to Life, Death, and the Space Between podcast. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and medium, and here we explore life, death, consciousness, and what it all means. Rachel Engstrom, MSW and CHES, Certified Health Education Specialist. Specialist. I almost got it all. Moved to the Twin Cities from Michigan in 2000 for undergrad and has been there ever since. She has her master's in social work and is a certified education, health education specialist. I should have seen that there before. Her book is based on her own personal experience as a cancer wife, then widow, that is an invaluable resource to anyone going through cancer, the cancer process journey, whether patient, caregiver, or supporter. Rachel wrote her book, Wife, Widow, Now What?, to help others along the way with a fresh, witty, and authentic narrative. Welcome, Rachel. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for everybody who has supported the podcast. So there's so many ways you can support the podcast and the work that I'm doing. One, you can spread the word about the podcast. So share the podcast with someone you know, repost my anything on social media. If you are a therapist listening to the podcast and you have a client who you think would benefit, share it with them. This podcast has grown completely organically. I've never done advertising. I've never done anything to boost the podcast. It is all because of you all sharing the podcast. And we are coming up on a million downloads, which is amazing. Other ways that you can support the podcast is through Patreon. So if you would like to become a patron, you can go to Patreon, put in Dr. Amy Robbins. You can find different tiers to support the podcast at the $5, 10 or $20 level or any other denomination. And my $20 supporters do get once quarterly Zoom calls with me. They've been fabulous. For a while, I was doing them for all the supporters, but now I am closing that down to just the $20 a month supporters. I really want to honor those who are really committed to supporting the podcast. So thank you so much. And I just want to point out what a difference this makes for me. The podcast is just supported by me. Uh, I don't have advertisers yet, although I would love some. I don't have sponsors, although that would be great. So right now, the, the podcast is supported by you all. And I'm so grateful. If you benefit from the podcast, if your life has shifted or changed as a result of the podcast, please help me continue to help you have on these great guests. Also follow me on Instagram, Dr. Amy Robbins. I love hearing from my listeners, trying to do my best to be quick to respond. And lastly, rate, review, and subscribe. That is super important. Um, podcasts show up in people's algorithms is by other people subscribing and rating and reviews being higher. I also love reading the reviews so you can rate the podcast, but you can also review the podcast. Thank you all for all of your support, for all of your love, for all of your helping to collectively raise the consciousness of this planet. I am so incredibly grateful. So this is a very personal, incredible journey. Can you tell us, can you tell us your story? Yeah. So like you said, I moved here in 2000 at 18 um, to the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul, not knowing one person, just wanted to fly away. And when I was 19, my sophomore year, uh, first semester, 
I went to a friend's um, birthday party and her boyfriend worked with this older guy. I was, so I was 19. He was about to be 26. And I thought, he's cute, but no way he's old. And we started (laughs) a couple weeks later and uh, he worked nights. So the whole time that we were together, I never really saw him, um, you know, Monday through Friday. And I credit that to having like an amazing relationship and marriage because we you, you're not together a lot you can't really fight you just fight about the little logistical stuff and what I didn't know later um after he died that would be such a gift because I was with him had that security had that confidence being with someone but also being my own independent person mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. being figuring out your 20s are so hard and ugly so figuring out who I was having someone but you know, nights spent with friends and grad school and all these different things as well. So we got married in 2004 when I was 22 and he was about to be 28. And then when I was 28 and he was 35, he just one day felt like he had the flu and went to the doctor. And after a couple days of testing and things like that, it turned out he had acute lymphoblastic leukemia. So he was enrolled in a clinical trial at the University of Minnesota. And after an intensive five weeks, he was in remission. And then he had um, treatment like five days a week for three months, then four days a week for, you know, two months, things like that. So he was going to be in treatment for quite a few years. So at age 28, my parents moved in with us taking shifts. And I thought, oh, my gosh, no way. I'm 28. I don't want my parents to, you know, fold my underwear, be in my house, stay in my business. But it ended up being this incredible gift to this day that's this bond that we have that's amazing. Mm-hmm. When I have the death anniversaries and all these things come up, it's, it's you know, I can text them and have that connection. Um, he got a lot better. And then, unfortunately, he relapsed in August of, um, so it was January of 2011, he got sick. He relapsed in August of 2012, had to be hospitalized again on our eighth wedding anniversary. And then he had a bone marrow bio, or excuse me, a bone marrow transplant um, the following January. And the bone marrow transplant took after 90 days, but unfortunately, um, just all the chemo and radiation and things like that just tore up several of his organs. So two days after I turned 31, I had to sign the papers and take him off life support. So I literally had to figure out at 31, how to reboot my life, how to figure out all my plans and keep in mind while this was happening, um, the summer and fall before he got sick in 2010, I was diagnosed with endometriosis. Mm. Um, so I had throughout his illness, I had, you know, horrible pain so bad I could barely walk, taking lots of Vicodin, you know, stuff like that, having surgeries on and off while he's, he was in the hospital at one place in Minneapolis. I was in the hospital having surgery at another place in Minneapolis one time. And then six months after he died, we, when you're really young, if you're not familiar with the cancer world, when you're really young and diagnosed with cancer, if there's time, they want to freeze your sperm or freeze your eggs. So if you can have children, you, you do that. So after he died, I destroyed what would be our would be kids because I didn't want to have them without him. And then for my own quality of life, I elected to have a hysterectomy. So that was another huge loss that I still struggle with at times today, nine years later. Um, so it's just thing after thing after thing was happening. Um, but it was just, it was such a learning process. And 
a couple years after, or actually it was 10 months after he died, I got the idea, like, just one day I was like, this was so hard. I should write this down. I should I should make like a kit, like a manual for people. Because I had to figure out how do you navigate insurance? How do you navigate disability? How do you, you know, he was so sick. I was the one talking to his employer. I was the one filing for disability. I was the one doing all of these different things. I spent like 18 hours online over the course of a couple of days, one week trying to figure out extra grants, gas cards, all these different things. So Wife Widow Now What has been sprung out of, I want it to be, I wanted to create something that when you're sick, you really don't have to worry about where, what do I do with all the logistics? You can pick this up, open it up. So it's my Caring Bridge post. If you're not familiar with that, it's um, a website where when you or someone who's going through a medical journey, you can do a blog, your supporters will get an email and that way you're not inundated with, you know, text, phone calls, all these things. People just know, check the blog. You can get the medical update there. So my book is literally the Facebook post, the um, uh, later Instagram, but Caring Bridge in chronological order from right before when he gets sick to when I've started the social media stuff a couple weeks after he was sick. And I intersplice when I'm navigating insurance, how to do it, what it all means. So it's a love story toolbox. And then after he dies, part two is literally when I leave his hospital room and walk out the door and have to figure out how to reboot my life. So I actually talk about all those types of things again, finances, funeral, moving on, birthdays, anniversaries. How do you navigate these things? How do you find the appropriate social support? And I was able to, I thought about it and started piecing together the post in um, like the summer of 20 spring summer of 2014 when I thought of it but it was just too painful to relive it so mm -hmm. I actually wrote wrote from 2018 to 2020 took about two and a half years and I was able to it was a labor of love and very painful but purposeful to write but I was able to see so much more in hindsight and to have mm -hmm. so many more things that I wish that I would have known or wish that I would have done that I think is really cool I was able to see that to be able to put in my book things that would be helpful for people to do that I wish I would have done, you know, and it's, it's just, it's incredible. It's something that, you know, I need Oprah to find. I need somebody to find because there's literally nothing like this. And cancer is just such a hard, hard process. Yeah. And I think in reading it, I'm actually shocked to hear you say that you did it in retrospect because it almost felt like when I was looking through to see all the different resources that it was like you were documenting it, documenting it as you were going, because it is very rich in, okay, here's how you want to talk to your employer about, you know, yeah. job stuff. Here's how you want to explore insurance. Here's how you want to talk about, um, even to the playlist that you include. Yeah. Can you talk a little about your playlist? Yeah. So I'm very music-based. It kind of, I don't know, I think I, I've always been a John Cusack fan, but I really love that movie High Fidelity where he has the playlist of the songs of his life and what mm. they mean, and you know, all those types of things. But I'm very, very music-based. And even throughout his illness, 
I would still make myself go to concerts, do things like that, go out with friends, have my semblancy of normalcy. And I've been on a lot of podcasts where people are like, did you ever feel guilty? And I actually didn't. I never did because I knew that I needed to do these things for myself. But when I'm driving to work, then I go home to let the dogs out. Then I drive to the hospital for several hours and then I drive home. All that time, you have so much... I got to do this. I got to do this. Is he okay? Is he okay? All these different things that, and then after he dies, just things getting you through the next step and wherever you are in life and all those things that I can, all those songs, I could just recall them. I knew what they were Mm. even years later. Like I could just remember like one of the songs it's, it's, I'm not a huge fan of, um, I mean, I like them, but there's this country singer, josh turner and there's a song called um something like it's on my list but it's like something about time and it's you know about like i need to get to you i gotta do this nothing else matters time you know all through time i just have to get to you and i end my book with um this isn't a spoiler by any means but i end it with the darius rucker song um this and it's you know all the mistakes I've made all the stuff stoplights I did or you know didn't do all these things that I did because I really believe music true even just talking about I'm getting all these full body goosebumps (laughs) music helps lead us to those things Mm -hmm. and it helps us get through those things and you know I have all these tattoos which I talk about in the book that I've gotten throughout his illness and you know Ben Fold's album he was one of our favorites. We saw him in concert so many times and I have the luckiest tattooed on my foot. We danced to that at our wedding. I played it for him as he was dying. And like, to this day, I can't listen to Ben Folds. I've heard the song a couple times, but it's those types of things where music can just trigger so much, whether it's good or it's bad. And all of those songs bring me peace. Like if I were mm-hmm. to put them on, you know, unfortunately there are so many different music mediums you can't make a playlist out of everything unless you have unlimited whatever. But I I just really enjoy the idea of someone, if they want to create a playlist, they can read it in real time. What was she listening to when she figured out he was sick? What was she listening to when she was working three jobs trying to keep her house? She didn't think she'd pay for it by herself. And she's in despair and none of her family lives here. But she's still able to giggle and dance in her kitchen with her dog. You know what I mean? Like those mm-hmm. those types of things because it's really real. My book is really real and gritty because I don't think that, um, you know, we read those books of like Eat, Pray, Love and all those kinds of things that address, you know, a divorce or, or a separation or a parental death. But having the person that you planned your entire life with die is so different that you're going to have to have things like music uplift you and bring you alive just to get through the day and I wanted to put that in there for people well and especially at the age of 31 yeah yeah Mm -hmm. you know we're not talking about 70 80 90 even 40 you know you were just beginning your life together yeah so what are the things that you feel like in in retrospect you wish you would have done differently I wish I would have like, <laughs> one of the things I talk about is like, when your person dies, you don't sit around and eat salad, you eat comfort food. I just like, I think it's fine to wallow in your, 
like different things, but I wish that I would have like forced myself to go for more walks, to eat a little healthier. It took me quite a long time to reach out. So I had this like, you have your Facebook friends. And then I made a, then we had like a team Grayson page where our supporters or whoever wanted to, you know, write comments on that. But then I made like a Rachel's healing blog page where I had maybe like 75 people out of my couple few hundred friends. And I would write in there and I would write like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy today. And then like, oh my gosh, I guess I'm crying the next day. But even within that, if I was that raw, I wish that I would have said like, will someone come over and have dinner with me? Or will someone come over? Because I remember I got to the point after like a year and a half where I was like, will someone come take me for a walk? Like a dog, like a friend coaxed me of someone I didn't even know super, super well, but I knew she came over and took me for a walk and I was like, come on, let's go. And I was like, but I'm so tired. So I actually took, I was blessed enough to have like eight or nine months where I didn't have to work. Um, we, I had an insurance policy on him. Um, so I took that time. I went to Alaska for three weeks. I, I did a lot of self-care. Plus I had to heal my body after a hysterectomy. Mm-hmm. But I just wish that I would have like acted on some of the thoughts that I had. Like I should tell someone that I'm, you know, really need help. And I actually lost quite a few friends um, because people don't know what to do with a 28 year old cancer wife. They certainly don't know what to do with a 31 year old widow. And I Mm -hmm. wish I had been more direct with asking for help. And I'm such a big proponent in my book, but on all the platforms and different people I've talked to of, and I especially talk to like widows and widowers and grievers and stuff like that about like how to ask for help, how to do those things. It's okay. And more than likely, we're going to be there for them at some point as well. And it's well, one of those. Yeah. No, I was just going to say a lot of people say often that when someone is grieving, you should just do something. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think because you don't want to put the responsibility on the person who's grieving to tell you what they need. Right. But I I like what you're saying as well, is that maybe there is an opportunity as someone who's grieving to say, you know what, I would love a walk today. Or maybe there were other simple things. Can you come have dinner with me? Mm-hmm. And that I think as a society, we never want to burden. We have, especially in western society we have such an individualistic way of being that we don't want to burden someone else and so we think that that's a burden while meanwhile they might be thinking gosh I want to help her and I just don't know what to do yeah one of my closest friends I remember being so bummed and years later we're like sisters now and we've been we were friends many many years before he got sick but I just remember a couple years after he died being like where were you And she was like, I didn't know what to do. So I didn't do anything. Or, you know, I didn't, we would still hang out, but it might be once every few months, not that. So one of the things that I do um, now is I've somehow become like the widow whisperer. (laughs) (laughs) So I've had people- Book two, book two, the widow whisperer. (laughs) But I had someone Google, her husband was dying and she literally put together cancer widow. And my book came up, which is like a dream for someone to be able to find that. And she's in Bogota, Colombia. And she messaged me, but it was in my kind of outbox because we weren't connected on Instagram. 
I didn't get it this January. I ended up getting it in March and her husband had died the week before and her name's Lena and she's incredible. And we talk almost every single day, even though we're, it, what's amazing is we're in the oh. same time zone, Minnesota and Columbia. We're in the same time zone, right? It seems really, weird. yeah, huh. just below us. But there was another woman, Lindsay, that lived in Canada that she had, her husband had cancer. She took care of him. Then she got the exact same kind of cancer. Then he died. Then so she's fighting cancer while she's can't even oh, breathe. So I gosh. talked to her for like almost every day for like a year. And now it's moved on to the next widow I'm supporting. And one of the things that I do, um, even if it's my sisters, because you lose track of time, we all live in different places. I have timers. I have alarms set on my phone. So like every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm going to check in with this person. And that's one of the biggest things I would say for a griever or someone who's going through illnesses or things like that would be just set alarms on your phone to check in with someone, just text, text them, say, Hey, I'm thinking about you. I have someone in my life right now that I wish they were there for me. Um, I, my best friend died nine weeks ago oh, and I I'm feel sorry. like, Thank you. He had a really awful degenerative disease and I've been ill for many years, but I appreciate that. Oh. Thank you. Um, but it's, it's one of those things where I wish people were there for me, but I texted this person and said, thinking of you the other day, and they said nothing back. And even when I said my friend died, they said nothing. And it hurt me, but mm. I'm like, I'm just gonna, um, I, this doesn't spoil anything, but I've married again. I, I was gonna um, ask you what your life looked like. Yeah, so. I met someone two and a half years after my late husband died. And my husband now, he's like, you know what? Because I'm frustrated who I would like to support me is not supporting me. But I sent the other day thinking of you and I got kind of salty about it the other day. Like, I think it was yesterday. I'm like, wait, they never texted back. And I texted or even like heart did a heart or a thumbs up or whatever. And then I had to tell myself, you know what? But you're just being you. I know they're going through a tough time themselves for what they've said. So just continue being you. So even if you reach out to the griever, whoever that is, and you're just saying, thinking of you, they don't have to message back. Mm -hmm. That's just fine. But knowing that you're doing that, I can't tell you how meaningful that was just to have, you know, a couple people check in, even if it was, you know, when you're living alone and you're, like I said, trying to run all these jobs and do all these things, or if you're someone who's grieving and you have children or whatever your situation is, you need that lifeline. You need to know, besides my little bubble and what I'm in every other every day, you know, I see so many movies and different things like that where, and you know, Amy, from everything that you do, people still don't know what to do with grief. It's still mm -hmm. such a taboo, which is very weird. But even you can see things like, um, oh, I watched the other day, the movie on Netflix, Starling with Melissa McCarthy. Have you mm. seen it? No. She has like a baby. I don't know how old the baby is, but then they die. And that doesn't, it's in the preview. So it doesn't give anything away. But um, her husband, you know, has kind of a meltdown, goes to a psychiatric facility and she's at work and her boss is like, you're still sad? Really? Can't you be a little happier about this? And it's like, if you're, especially if you're, whether it's virtually or in person, you're going to work and your work bubble doesn't get it. You're going to need someone on your phone that gets it. You're going to mm -hmm. need that virtual support, whatever that is, because so many of us, I had a wonderful family, but so many people 
do not have the luxury of having amazing support or things like that. So well, and and if anybody's listening and they have someone in their life who's going through something or even not, I think it's yeah. just a great reminder that those simple things, those simple texts, those simple um, calls, even imagine that a phone call to someone, an email, whatever it is, just saying, hey, I'm thinking of you. You just popped in my mind. Just wanted to yeah. let you know I'm thinking of you, whatever it is, for whatever reason. Because we don't ever know what someone else is going through or what they might be dealing with. And so for them, it could give them the little boost that they need that, that someone's on their, that they're on someone's mind. Hi, everybody. I have a new offering that a few of you have taken advantage of so far, and it is a spiritual consultation. So, so many of you had reached out to me with like questions or wanting to know how to open up more, wanting to know you know, what you should do in this area of your life or that area of your life that I thought I would just try to offer a new way to connect with me. So these are spiritual consultations. They can be 30 minutes, an hour, an hour and a half. And in that time, we talk about kind of what questions you have, whether it's about opening up more spiritually, whether it's about something in your life. And we really kind of come to an understanding and a conclusion about what the next steps you need to take to achieve that are. Again, this is new to me. I've done a few of them. They are phenomenal. I am so enjoying them. It is not a therapy session. Be clear. It is not a therapy session. It is not a medium reading. It is somewhere in between. We incorporate meditation and intuition and manifestation and intention and all of this in like a very brief period of time, but it has been extremely powerful. And the people that have done it have walked away feeling like they really had something tangible that they could carry with them and help them move their life forward. So if this is something you're interested in, please reach out to me. I don't have a lot of spots for them. So I'm only doing maybe one or two a month, but keeping a wait list for those who are interested. So you can find that on my website, dramyrobbins.com, and you can go on there and click on spiritual consultation. I will get you scheduled. It might be a month or two out, but I am trying to get everybody who's interested in. So go ahead and check that out. If you have any questions, just email me about it through the website as well. And I'm actually going to promote something right now. So I was on a couple different podcasts for the power of love with the Jacksons. And I had no idea it was Michael Jackson's nephews. And I'm oh. like an insane, hardcore Michael Jackson kid <laughs> fan, right? Of the eighties. And it's the three brothers. So it's Tito Jackson's children and their mom. He got divorced from DD Tito did in 1993. And in 1994, when Taj Terrell and, um, TJ were 16, 19, and 21. Their mom was murdered by her current boyfriend. Uh -huh. So they were children, did not know how to grieve. Later as adults, seven years ago, they created a foundation where it helps children um, through music therapy and things like that mm. in East LA. Um, they also have this podcast where they talk about all different kinds of facets of grief. But right now, what we're trying to do is we're, in general, we're trying to raise money or to be able to give out this, what I'm going to say, but in general, um, someone came on the podcast and there's actually an app called grief coach, where if you buy a subscription, it's like $90. And right now you can, if you go to ddjf.org, you can go on there, you can get our code and you can get $10 off. But it's so cool because this person had no one 
that created it had no one reach out to her or know how to adequately support her after um her i think it was her husband um died and what she did is she created this app where it will if you sign up for it the person that's grieving so say it's like your sister your sister will get a text catered to her age how the person died whether it's suicide homicide illness whatever Mm -hmm. so you get a text once a week from a grief expert based on that specific kind of grief and then you'll get a text on anniversaries birthdays whatever of the person that died and then also within that same subscription you can pick two people to also get texts so say amy it's your sister say it's you and your mom you and your mom will get texts on how to support your sister so all of it's included for like a year you'll be able to do that isn't that amazing that's an amazing idea yeah because it's like people just need someone to know that somebody gives a crap Mm -hmm. like really Mm-hmm. so anyway it's called grief coach griefcoach.com but if you go to it it's if you know anybody that just needs that extra kick that extra support it's really cool but if you go to ddjf.org um, we have a code for a discount and we're doing a fundraiser right now to try to gift we'd like mm-hmm. to gift 50 memberships to children in the um, los angeles area that have lost parents so um things like that but so yeah. what is your what does your life look like now? You said you're re- you're remarried. I am. I have an 11 year old stepdaughter, and I still actually I did a post on Facebook a week or so ago about the fact that. Um, so I met back up. I met this guy. I went on like 52 face to face dates. There were just nightmares. No way. And and how far after you said? About two years, two and a half years? Like a year, year and a half, yeah. And then, so I went on all And what was that like for you, like getting back out there? Because I think there's a lot of judgment often around for widows and widowers around. Because I I had the nicest guy ever, so I didn't know people lie. I don't know people treat. Like, I was just so naive. But I actually have a really good, my book is actually really funny, too. Um, But I have some really good stories about dating and things like that. But it was just one of those things where, you know, one of my, my sister who's two years older than me was like, Rachel, you should just not date, you know, be by yourself. And I'm like, I'm by myself all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think I just kept dating again and again and again and trying because I knew that I was worthy of love and I'd had someone so great. And I was just like, but I think God was like, nope, nope, next. (laughs) You really cleared him out. 52. That's. That's impressive that you stuck with it. Yeah, and that's just the people that I saw face to face, not all the other ones I would talk to. The screen, the ones you screened out that weren't even yeah, worthy. Yeah, like I that. talked to a guy on the phone one time, and he's like, "So, did you catch your husband's cancer?" And I was like, "Oh no!" Like, <laughs> okay, bye bye. <laughs> <laughs> right? But I ended up meeting this guy, eleven years older than me, who had a four-year-old. And because I met him in the fall of 2015 and this um, and then I ended up having like horrific digestive issues two weeks after I started this new job. It's Cigna. And then I, I meet this guy. I had dental surgery, had antibiotics, ripped up my colon. So I'm completely sick, pooping like all the time, not knowing what's going wrong. 
the next spring I'm diagnosed with like IBS and lymphocytocolitis and this super sweet guys there the whole time, not thinking I'm weird, not thinking I'm gross. And, um, this October we will have been married for six years. So it's been a little over nine years since my late husband died and I will have been married for six years. And, I just do a lot of advocacy. I, I spent a year and a half helping with a local caregiver organization. Um, I have been on lots of different podcasts. I speak at different grief and loss groups, different widow groups, things like that. Professionally, I um, am a cancer health educator for Anthem. So if you have a claim that gets flagged for, you know, you do a biopsy or scan or something like that, and it claims, or excuse me, it gets flagged, the claim does for oncology, we will reach out to you and offer you a virtual second opinion with um, like Mayo Clinic or Cleveland Clinic or Consumer Medical if your employer has purchased this kind of like a la carte item. So basically, you're able to have this video virtual second opinion and have someone say, yeah, you're totally on the right track of care, or we might have a treatment or consultation at a cancer center of excellence. And for me, this is amazing that I can come from my life literally blowing up to advocacy it's just it's all god it's just and there's such a thing as that huh because i think a lot of people don't get their claim their claims get denied is that is this what you're talking about am i understanding this accurately no it's no it's okay insurance is really tricky so it's more um just based on like a scan or something they would have had it tips off our system to as an educator to educate that oh. if this program is available. Like we just want you to know, you know, before you have the surgery or whatever you do, is this the right kind of chemo? Should you be doing that? You know, if you have stage three or stage four, say you're in Alabama, but is there a treatment in Chicago that's going to help save your life that your current oncologist doesn't know about. Let's see what we can, you know what I mean? That kind of information. That's amazing. How, how would people, and that's not every healthcare plan. That's only certain employers who purchase that. Correct. Yeah. But hopefully it's going to be something that just blows up and it's something that's common marketplace because it's very, very needed. And it's, I mean, we're such a society of early detection for things, but yet, you know, minority health and um, equity and all those things, there's still all those types of issues. And even the same with counseling for grief and loss and things like that, depending on where you are, it totally varies. How does your dead husband fit into the life with your new husband? Yeah, with my alive husband. Yeah, your living husband. He's a part of my our he's a part of our family and I really feel like um it I it's been a couple years but I've cried before wishing that they would have met each other cuz they're just goons they would have been best friends they're the nice literally the night both of them nicest sweetest people you've ever known both very handsome both just so so kind And I, you know, I said to both of them, like, I'm totally crazy and you buy the crazy I sell. And they're just the nicest, sweetest people. And he actually, um, my husband now, Ethan, he helped me edit the book and would say, you know, did you, are you trying to say this? What if you say it this way? Different things like that. And um, we have kind of a difficult, tricky situation with the other parent of my stepdaughter. And because she was so tiny, I didn't even tell her for the first three years I was with 
um, my then boyfriend, then fiance, then husband, her dad, that I had a, a husband because mm-hmm. it's too hard to understand. Mm-hmm. But she's been able to learn a lot about death and grief and loss and kind of the normality and what people need. And okay, Rachel's not here tonight because she's going to run the cancer support group and, you know, things like that. And I think that it's been really helpful because I feel like that helps soften you know, seeing the world in a different lens and in a different way. And the most significant person that my husband now has had die was his grandpa, like 15 years ago or, Mm -hmm. you know, long 20 something. Um, So he's learned a lot through this and, you know, losing your spouse is, I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. It's horrific, but you know, with positivity, with knowledge, with all these different things, you really can come out. Okay. I'm okay. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's I did a 180 but it really takes a lot of work to get there (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah and it's beautiful because you it seems like you've just created a whole life for yourself that includes Grayson even though he's not here in a physical body yeah it does and it's not that I you know I had my daughter ask me did I miss my friend that died a couple months ago like do you still miss him I'm like oh yes because she can't you know conceptualize grief and all that loving and I'm like I will for a really, really long time. And she was like, well, do you miss Grayson? And I said, I do, you know, sometimes like people are like, oh, I will love so-and-so forever. For me, I loved him. I loved him. I stopped loving him years ago. I love what we have together. And he's inherently a piece of me. I have his name tattooed on my wrist. I am who I am today because of how he loved me and how I loved mm-hmm. him. And my husband now says that's one of the ways he fell in love with me is because I talked about my story and all of those things. And I think that even though I'm here talking to you today because he died, it's my story of survival. And that's what I like to share with people is you can lose that person, but the story is what you created out of what you had and the pieces you try, you choose to take with you of that story. I also think it's a total gift that you don't even have to tell people that your spouse died or your sibling or whoever it is, you'll get to choose who you want to go with those pieces of your heart and your life too, and how you want to move forward the best way that's comfortable for you. Wow, what a beautiful, inspirational story. Thank you. I mean, you really have taken, you have made lemonade out of lemons. Yeah. So if my listeners want to learn more about you, your work, you, you, you are a social worker, Mm -hmm. but you don't do, it sounds like you do a lot of volunteer advocacy on behalf of. Yeah, I do volunteer advocacy. So I have my master's in social work. I'm not technically a social worker. I'm more of a health educator, but I do. Yeah, I do a lot of local advocacy, checking in on some widows um, you know, I do a lot for like the DD Jackson Foundation. I joined their board a couple months ago. Um, I'm even so you're I think like my 55th or 56th podcast I've done. I haven't done one in like maybe eight or nine months, and I want to get going because you you get exhausted, but I want to get going again on doing more because I think there's just not enough out there on the fact that you can have your life blow up and be okay. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's one of those things where people are like, I at whatever age, at whatever age. Yeah. And people are like, I will never find love again, or I will never be happy again. You can, 
it's just work mindset, putting, you know, I had a couple people in my life. I talk about all this in the book, of course, but like a best friend that was just became toxic, not supportive. And I decided after 12 years to nix that person, I was like the maid of honor in her wedding and all these things. And I was like, nope, can't out. And it was really difficult, but it was one of those things where it's just, you learn through these things. And, you know, I'm hoping that all the things that I went through can help people see, like, I am not alone. This woman in Colombia, she was just like, I thought I was the only one. And I'm like, oh my gosh, honey, no, like, this is so common. And especially during COVID times and things like that. Oh, one of the things I was thinking of earlier is even on the, like, depending on where you live, whatever your grocery store is, but even like on the Target app, I did Target pickup and it's like, you can have a pickup representative. The person that's grieving can do the Target order and you can pick it up for them. You know, like those types of things, you can do that for someone because sometimes just getting out the door is too hard. Mm -hmm. But there's so much you can do to make that person feel empowered and make them feel whole and that someone's checking up on them. And, you know, all those things make all the difference in the world to help them get to a successful place like where I am all these years later. So, okay, so people want to learn everything you offer. Where do they Yeah, go? so you can, I have a website, wifewidownowit.com. I also have Wife Widow Nowit. You can look on, on Facebook, Instagram, and then I have the link to my book on those as well, but it's on Amazon, just Wife Widow Nowit. So it is, it's like about cancer, but it's it's about like grieving before I know I'm grieving and the loss and all those things and how to navigate all that too. Oh, I wanted to ask you this question that I like asking uh, people who've lost loved ones. Have you had any signs from your loved one? Anything that you feel like where they've tried to connect with you? Oh my gosh, yeah. So when I was um, going through one of the most, I have two major ones. When I was going through CDs, um, I bundled up things with my sister gave me an idea, ribbons, different things like that of his to give to friends at the memorial service. I was telling his best friend, we're like leaning over these stacks of CDs and I have my little transistor radio on and our local <laughs> radio station, Jack FM. It was like, here's another song for you, like the recording. And I had just said how um, Katrina and the waves walking on sunshine, like every time I was on the radio, he had to play it. And I was like, sometimes I'd be like, I am not this cheery, just. <laughs> so we're sitting there. This is like the week after he died and it comes on the radio right after I talked about it. And I was like, <laughs> mm -hmm. another time when I was in Alaska and I started to cry and the sh um, cruise ship was about to take off. I said, Grayson, show me that you're here. Show me a sign. And Eagle swooped to my eye level, turned, looked at me and flew away. And I was like, okay, I'm going to be okay. Wow. Those are, those are pretty powerful. Yeah. And so yeah. early on. Mm hmm. Well, thank you, Rachel. Your story yeah. is such an inspiration. Your book is fantastic. And it is, I almost feel like it needs to be like several books because it is so, there's so much material in there that I think is extremely useful for people who are going through. And I don't think it has to be a cancer yeah. diagnosis. I think it can be no, any sort of all. illness you're dealing with, you know, even mental illness, if you're struggling how to talk to employers about this, it, it kind of addresses all of that. So yeah. thank you for being yeah, so vulnerable and real and genuine and op open opening yourself up to yeah, the world you. and sharing your story. 
Thank you. Like what you heard today and want to hear more? Wondering what comes next and what it all means? Head over to Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts and hit subscribe. Also, if you could take a minute to rate and review my podcast, I would really appreciate it. Stay tuned as we continue to explore life, death, and the space between.